Hmm, you're probably wondering how you got here. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Well, let's let's officially start it. I had an update on my laptop this morning, and I'm oh, like, oh, this yeah. will be real quick, right? No, no, no. 20 minutes later, I'm just like, i got to get my questions. So I haven't reviewed any of the questions today, but I'm going to wing it, because that's what I do best. Yeah. So, hey, it's the morning show. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. We're a little flustered this morning, but we are going to persevere, answer questions, Feel. show you some cool stuff that we found. Feeling puffy today. You look a little puffy. I feel puffy. You need your ice roller. You gotta use that thing. She has this ice roller thing that she keeps in the so in the freezer. Good. It's like uh, it's like a little roller dealy, but it's cold and it it's doesn't like, make you wet. It's like a metal yeah. something. Anyway, it's awesome. It's pretty nifty. Hey, do we have Patreon? Uh, you Thank just you? made two more people thumbs down, Nicole. <laughs> Way to go! Good job. That's what they can do. I guess to show their dissent. Okay, one took it back, so now we're at we're, we're at three. Okay, we're going in the right direction. What else do we need to do? Uh, let's talk about uh, woodworking. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, first, let's thank our Patreon. Yeah, let's do that. So if you want to help out the show, you could certainly do that. That's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. We've got all kinds of things there, little bonuses and stuff that you get. But uh, most importantly, you help us keep the show going, yeah. and we appreciate that. And We'd you get like a little to... thank you sometimes from us. A personal thank uh, you. That personal one, yeah, We're at a, a certain level, on. right? Yeah. Uh, but today we want to thank Earl Lewis and Christopher C., both of those folks did go over there Yay. to patreon.com slash woodwhisper. And I have been looking at YouTube memberships. Um, whoa, that's a that's a it's, Is it a whole thing? It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> and you got to do approve that. Like they have to approve it. It's yeah. a whole thing. Okay. Well, we'll see. Uh, real quick. Next week, no show. No show there next week. There will be no show next week. We're not going to tell you why. There's just no show. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell by the energy. <laughs> we need. We need Do we a, need a week off? We need a, we need a little is that break. What this is? We need a catch up. Week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to show. Let's this see. Awesome. Yeah, I want to show this thing. So, uh, a gentleman. What did mm-hmm. you find out his real yeah, name was? His name's Ben. Okay, Ben at Nerd with Wood. Nerd with Wood. So, if you go to Instagram.com/slash/nerdwithwood, you'll yeah. see. You'll find him. I'll put it in the, a link in the chat. Yeah, too. good guy. Uh, he offered to make me this little plaque. And anyone who knows this geekistry and the references. It's such a, did you read this? I, really oh, nice. I read it. It's really well written. It's really well written. It's almost, it's something that you just don't do, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't mash up Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> uh, but this is fantastic. We've got an Enterprise and a Millennium Falcon in the same image. And it's freaking fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. That was um, really nice of him, too. And it's really well written, too. A long time ago in a wood shop far, far away, you engaged an audience and emboldened them to go where none of them had been before to seek out new methods and new creative opportunities. You help the next generation gain a new hope. There's so many deep level like yeah. puns and yeah. phrases in this. Thanks for making it so. <laughs> you scruffy nerve herder. Gazank, <laughs> Jason's not here. So this is fantastic. Thank you so much, man. This is going to go on the uh, shop wall for sure. Yeah. So appreciate that. Um, and go go follow him on uh, Instagram. Yeah. That's that. I don't know if he's got a YouTube channel or anything, yeah. but I, I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, Nerd with Wood. Nerd on with Wood. So yeah, this actually, I think Jay's going to come in for a little bit today. This is his last day of work. Yep. Uh, and then he's heading back to Missouri. So. Yep. Mm. Alrighty. I'll miss him. Uh, I have a little something. Uh, so last was it last week? It feels like a month ago. Could be. Yeah, two years ago. Um, we highlighted a number of. Uh, Instagram and YouTube channels, and one that I did not highlight that I actually ordered from. I got my order. 
Uh, they are an amazing nonprofit called the Lower 48. They are a nonprofit work workshop. Can't really see that. They teach everybody. Yeah. But they really specialize in making woodworking accessible um, to people of color, women, and the LGBTQ community. Okay. But they they teach. Anyone. Where are they located? They're in California. Okay. So somewhere I in the Lower 48. <laughs> Uh, but Jolie wrote me a night. Like, I just wanted to support him. I didn't yeah. know, like, hey, do you know who I am? I don't assume anybody knows who we are. So I ordered some pens and this amazing wand. Uh, and this is mine. That's so cool. Yeah, don't give that <laughs> to the kids. <laughs> the kids do not That's get that. That's not good. Or Dougie. So this was actually lovingly made by Connie, our best volunteer. So they work on volunteers. So if you. Well, Connie, nice job. If you want to follow them, they're on Instagram as well as Lower 48 Workshop. They're in Oakland, California. Okay. Uh, and the, again, nonprofit work, uh, woodshop. Wow, they great. teach turning. I, we've gotten a lot of pens over the years. Yeah, woodworkers amazing, like to make pens. Amazing pens. But I have never received one like this, which is the, meta, the this thingy. I just couldn't do this all day. Yeah. But it's absolutely beautiful. I saw this in their Etsy store. I'm like, mine. It's interesting because this style of pen, I don't like, usually when we get pens from people, mm -hmm. they use a very similar, yeah. you know, classic pen style. The actual guts of the pen are very similar. This is the first time I've seen one like this. Yeah. Me too. Um, it's I love very, it. uh, the magnetic thing is good. The weight is really good. So I ordered three of them. Oh, cool. Someone in our life might get a gift, but I'm keeping that one. <laughs> so oh, it's, I don't think it's like a regular ballpoint pen, is it? I don't know, but I love it. Yeah, so. I think it's like one of those ink gel pens. Well, cool. So, it's great. Uh, Julie, uh, thank nice. you for your, your very nice note to it's us. A walnut burl action going on there. And uh, yeah, if you happen to be in the Oakland, California area, and you want to learn wood turning, check them out. Nonprofit. It, they're awesome. That's great. So there you go. Uh, and I'm starting a new thing. Not, I mean, we're not doing a show next week, so we won't do it next week. But every week, I'm going to highlight a Instagram or YouTube account that may not have a lot of exposure. What are they saying? Gazang said, uh, turn pens are 90% the fat guy with a tight belt style. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> That's true. It's like, it's big and then it's Yeah, you got the little... rings, the little rings are yeah. tight and then it gets a little bulbous. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to put a link in the chat. If you happen to know an account, because like for instance, the Lower 48 Woodshop, wood they, yeah. they have 695 followers. They deserve more. And uh, same Nicole, way same my way stupid with barbecue account yeah. has over 3,000 followers. Yeah, we should probably mention you started a, a barbecue and, account. And the, here's, a, here's a group of people doing really good things yeah. and trying really hard. Yeah. And they have 695 followers. So let's give them some follows. But if you that have is an, an injustice. If you have an account that you're like, man, they sh they're really awesome. I wish yeah. more people knew about them. I'm going to put this link. It's just a Google form. Fill out the form. Yeah, let us know. Because, I mean, the thing is a lot of times we get busy and yeah. can't always find and pursue these things. So if you know someone yeah. that just is kind of underserved in a way. Well, and like last week, I, I literally spent all day just going oh, from places to places and just looking. So yeah. it's it's a... It, we can't be everywhere at once, so if you want to share your love of an Instagram account or mm -hmm. a, a YouTube account, uh, especially with YouTube, if, if they're under 10,000 subscribers, let us know. Yeah. And yeah. Don't send us people with over 100,000 subscribers that you just like. They're just, that's that's they're not what we're looking fine. for. They're, they're okay. Do, they're okay. They'll be all right. 
you know, Fred asked if we can put the um, morning show jingle MP3 as a uh, patron benefit, make it a oh. ringtone. Uh, I don't see why we can't. It's a royalty-free track. Yeah, I could make it a post. Yeah, I don't see why it would be a problem. Do you want it with all? We could put all the versions with the announcer <laughs> in them if you want those too. <laughs> yeah, let's do something like that. We'll do that for patrons. No worries there. <laughs> Johnson Craft of Woodshop just said, "Sorry for the dislike. Stupid Apple TV remote. Oh good." <laughs> See, that is dangerous. That's, that is true. I didn't know that you could like and dislike yeah, from either. the uh, from the app. That's kind of neat, though. Okay, good to know. That's <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, what uh, else do we have? Anything else before I, we get going? Uh, yeah. What? I said anything else just before go. we get going? We okay. can just go. Okay. I have some super chats, but oh, we'll, we'll integrate them. Can in. I can I introduce a, another uh, Instagram account yep. that people might not know about? We Lisa, just talked about it. Your wood. Yeah, your barbecue? I just talked about it. So if you, you guys know I like barbecue, right? Uh, I, I guess the thing was, it was such a whim. It wasn't like this was a grand plan. I've had a couple people go, oh, uh, you know, good luck with the, the new effort. And I'm like, I just kind of did this because I wanted to post more barbecue pics. <laughs> and I feel like there's only a certain amount of that I could do on my regular channels. I mean, yeah. Here's the thing. I know a lot of people don't eat meat. Yeah. And if you are one of those people, it's, like, it's a little gross sometimes. Ugh. Like if you've gotten meat out of your life, God forbid, I feel Man. bad for you. But if you have gone down that path, it's pretty disgusting yeah. to look at some pictures of, of meat in various stages of, of uh, you know, doneness. When I was, I get it. I when totally I was get it. pregnant <clears throat> with both of our kids, I could not stand even looking at meat mm -hmm. in a commercial. Like I would be watching TV and a commercial would come on for like... Like one of those Carl's Jr. Burger commercials? It was usually like Chili's yeah. with their baby backs. I'm like, <laughs> Right? God. Yeah, so I get it. I get it. So I started an Instagram account specifically just for my barbecue stuff. Um, it's a fun hobby. I enjoy sharing what little I know about it. And uh, as my tagline on the thing says, it's my documenting my perfectly mediocre barbecue. <laughs> so there's that. All right, let's get to some woodworking hey, questions, some Nicole. All right, all right. Apple TV hates Mark. Okay, there's a title. <laughs> well, you know what? The feeling's on, mutual. Showbot. The feeling's mutual because I got to say, in the world of set-top boxes, Apple TV is. <laughs> I don't like it. Just, just the interface. You want it to like it. I want it to like. But it I was so like, bad. no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with. The uh, remote is bad. Amazon. The interface is bad. It's, it's, it's no bueno. But you know what? It, it will get you what you need. Hey, speaking, if you have it. speaking of uh, Amazon <laughs> Fire TV. I finally got us completely updated with all of the episodes on the Wood Whisperer. That is fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so if you search for, if you just say into your Fire TV, the Wood Whisperer, you'll have 14 seasons and 400 plus videos yeah. <laughs> to watch right there at your fingertips. Okay. Well, so that's there good. There you go. I'm okay. up to date. Yay. All right. So I got a whole bunch of questions that I did Mark not Mark is not preview. sweating. It's just the print of his shirt. Look, guys, this is that that would be a hell of a sweat pattern. I tend to, I sweat a little more under my left boob than my right. And then for some reason, my right rib cage sweats a lot. I just have sweat spots. It's BB-8. <laughs> Mark's got the meat sweats. Yeah, I'm talking about meat. Ooh, it gets me going, guys. Okay, Tony Tang wants to know, for bent lamin lamination, how much of the shape will the piece maintain true to the mold? Give me yeah, you know I'm going to fiddle with I know. That. You can't have my pen. You better take this, too. Here. <laughs> take the I wand. can't have anything. Here, take this sticker. Get it out of my way. Oh, yeah. We're going to put the sticker up. 
Okay, so it really depends on a number of factors, Tony, how thick your laminations are, how many laminations there are, and how severe the bend is. Also, each species of wood might be a little bit different, so there is no answer to that. Um, what you're talking about is springback. So bent lamination is one of the methods as opposed to like um, steam bending, which I think has a more severe springback. Uh, bent lamination is one where you're cutting into such thin strips that you are uh, forcing it to do what you want it to do. So you'll still get some spring back, but it won't be as much as some other methods. But how much spring back you get totally depends on, on a bunch of factors. And it all, you know, this is why you tend to do like a test bend. You make a test uh, prototype mold, do your cuts, maybe with some scrap wood, ideally with the same wood, because species does matter. Um, and then you do that bend, see what it comes back to, and then you now have your rough shape for what you can then incorporate into your project and then go do the actual bends or adjust your bending form. And because of maybe it uh, sprung back too much, you have to adjust your bending form and then redo it. Don't, we ha don't you have a bending <coughs> video? I'm sure. Like, wanna... Yeah, I think I've done this. Um, well, we've done a steam bending video and we've done um, bent rocker, lamination. The rocker has... Yeah, we have a, a yeah. there is a bent lamination video, but I don't know that I go into depth on springback. Gotcha. But it, it, you know, it's it, it'll be in there. I know I must have said it, the words in there at least. <laughs> it's my Adrian says it's my hot flashes. <laughs> it is at that time of life for me to have don't, hot flashes. Uh, don't jinx me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about my hot flashes, Nicole. <laughs> okay, Jeff Barry says. I just wanted to say thanks for all the advice the past couple of weeks. The idea of writing down and prioritizing my projects has helped. I don't think Jerry has a question here, so that's very nice of you, Jerry. Thanks very much. I write down, when I get overwhelmed, I just make a list. Yeah. Okay. He says, uh, I bought the plans, uh, let's see, I bought the plans for the shop cabinets. Was wondering which hardwood you used for the trim. I was thinking maple, but uh, that won't show well with the plywood. Then I thought about walnut, and that's a little bit high priced. I'm thinking about using cherry. I think on all my shop cabinets now, I've used alder. Yes, I'm looking right now, alder. Kind of looks like cherry, but it's, it's actually alder. Very inexpensive. It's kind of soft, but it's cheap enough that if you're just kind of decking out some shop cabinets, there's nothing wrong with alder. Honestly, when it comes to shop cabinets, use whatever you have or whatever's cheap. Shop cabinets are a great place to experiment, to have fun, to try new techniques, to try new species. So if your shop cabinets look like a hodgepodge of different styles, uh, different finish consistencies and sheens. I think that's okay. That's the place where we get our practice, and then you apply that to actual projects uh, that leave your shop. One of the first questions that came in is from John Chapman in the chat. Okay. Assuming that it's not feasible, I am thinking of getting a 110 volt bandsaw and a drill press I can use in some small parts of my garage and then use hands tools for most of the other work I would need. What are your thoughts? Um, Assuming that it is not feasible? Maybe, maybe he means it is feasible. Yeah, that's confusing me. Thinking of getting a bandsaw and a drill press. Okay. That is a way that a lot of people go. I yeah. mean, if you look at um, dedicated hand tool users, a lot of times if they let a power tool into their shop, it'll be something like a planer and then possibly a bandsaw. Um, these are activities that maybe for some are fun. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, you do a lot of resawing by hand. Mm -hmm. That gets old real quick. A lot of planing flat by hand. That gets old real quick. So if that's the route you want to go, that's probably a good tool to bring into your arsenal. 
and then attack the rest by hand tools. I so, love our chat room. Sounds You're, perfectly Everybody's reasonable. so helpful. Uh, Stump Town <coughs> said, John, if space is limited, I would go with a Craig Traxall as long as you can. If 220 volt is never going to happen, then fine. But if at a chance you will want the three horsepower if you can budget for it. So I think you got only, you might have gotten the second half of a question. Oh, wow. Well. It's almost like he had said something first. Oh, wait. I'm thinking of going there you go. right above it. <laughs> Okay, I'm it was thinking a of going hybrid woodworking. I would love a nice saw stop table saw, but it would have to be on a mobile stand to move outside to the garage. Okay, that is a little bit of a different question, and the answer that that he was given is not a bad one. Uh, the track oh, saw. Oh, you even is, had more. You had three. I missed them all. You know, reconstructing a question backwards. I'm sorry. Really changes the answers. <laughs> I saw your thoughts, Mark. Question mark. I saw. I look for the question, so I'm like scanning, yeah. scanning, scanning. So, um, beginner woodworker, uh -huh. unstable garage, no 240 outlets, cracked concrete floor. He joined the club. <laughs> <clears throat> so he says he has a Craig adaptive cutting table with track saw and a miter saw. Thinking of going hybrid woodworking, would love to get a nice saw stop, but it would have to be on a mobile stand to move outside of the garage, assuming it's not feasible. I'm thinking of getting a bandsaw. Okay, so what he's looking at, essentially the question is, is the bandsaw going to be an adequate replacement for the table saw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it can. Not everything, but there are a lot of people who do just fine using a bandsaw for pretty much all the rips and everything that you need to do. It is a way to get the job done. So, um, And Stumptown was saying, <clears throat> look at the Craig Track saw. Well, he said he's got something with the Craig Track saw already. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He okay. says use it as long as you can. Well, there you go. All right, well, that, that was really confusing. Sorry. Okay. I just work here. Yeah, Corey says I ran a batch of end grain cutting boards through my PM2244. Uh, that's a drum sander. And had some real deep lines. I ended up having to break out my Rotex and some 40, uh, 40 grit. And even that took a little bit of time. Any suggestions for getting a better finish from the drum sander? Nothing you could do, man, other than go through the grits, you know. So I don't, you didn't say what grit you have on there. Uh, but if you're starting with like a 120, a 120 grit on a drum sander means that when you go back to the table, you're at least going to start uh, back to your workbench. You're at least going to start with 120 grit there too. Those grain lines are, or the sanding lines are always very, very deep. And end grain is the worst because end grain, like once it gets an impression in its surface, it's really hard to get that out. So the only thing you could really do is progress through the grits, get, you know, get some 120, 180, 220, work your way up through the grits. By the time you're done with the 220, you will still probably have to drop back a grit you know, to get it, uh, to, to help this go a little bit faster. So if I had an end grain uh, board coming off at 220, I'd bring it back to the workbench. I'd start with probably 180 on a random orbit sander and work my way up through the grits from that point. Um, you might also consider using a scraper or something like that. Uh, and if you do have a Rotex, you would then go 180 in Rotex mode, then 180 non-Rotex mode. Uh, then jump up to 220, go 220 Rotex, then 220 not Rotex. Uh, and work your way up that way. Should should improve the situation. All right. I really don't like reading questions for the first time. Do you live. want me to read a question? <clears throat> well, yeah, but that's not going to stop me from reading questions. Robert Price has a super <laughs> chat. Uh, I didn't get to watch last week live, but uh, I find out good buddy status can be requested. <laughs> Robert Price. Yeah, bad news though, Robert. It's a $10 fee. <laughs> You only did five, so you're halfway We're there. Joking. That is a joke. Someone actually said, "You need to put that as a Patreon." Logo. Good buddy status. Good buddy status. Oh, uh, you know what? It would be so hard because I'd have to remember yeah, who yeah, they yeah. are. I mean, you can yeah. only have so many good buddies. Yeah. Right? Limited to like two, four, three at the most. 
Okay, Chris Kalnassi happens you, to be, oddly enough, a good buddy a of mine. A good buddy of yours. Um, he says, in regards to a mortiser, let's say shop shop space isn't a concern, would you still have your floor model, PM, or the benchtop one? Uh, I have a domino trying to decide if it makes sense. Worth noting, I have a bunch of green and green to do in the next year, and that could help out, uh, plus with a lot of future projects. Uh, you know, even if you have the domino, even if you're doing green and green stuff, there's no reason that a hollow chisel mortiser is going to do you a whole lot of favors in the world of green and green. You know, I don't think, other than if you wanted to use the, the one of the chisels to make square holes for plugs, it doesn't really impart a whole lot of advantage. So if you already have the domino, uh, the hollow chisel mortiser is really hard to justify its existence in a shop where the domino exists already, you know. So... In my case, if I had, you know, all the floor space in the world, yeah, I probably would still have the floor standing mortiser, but not because there's any useful reason to have it, you know. It would be there because I have the room and I already have it. So I, that, that's why in this case, even though I, I probably could have justified leaving it here, I, it just didn't make any sense. For the amount that I used it, the benchtop model was more than enough. But in your case, you already have the domino. I think you're going to have to work hard to find excuses to have that hollow chisel mortiser in your shop at all, so. I, Robert, Robert Price, you are kind. Uh, he said, maybe you're joking, but I'm not taking any chances, LOL. <laughs> you need a. My good buddy Robert uh, just made an announcement, so. You know, my best friend in, uh, in grade school was Robert. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. You did science together, right? Nope. Okay, never mind. That was, that was your, your last husband. Uh, no, you had a friend. Who was your science buddy? No, that was in college. Oh, that was in college. And that was Bob. Bob. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I, had a, I had a good friend Bob and a good friend Isn't Robert. Bob short for Robert? I mean, Robert, Bob, yeah. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. If they choose to go that yeah, route. Yeah, yeah. But his name was Bob. Yeah. But I'm saying... His full name, his, his given name was Robert. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, it's like, who's on first? I don't <laughs> know. Us. Today, it's going to be a lot of that. I've just been my my life has been one one giant uh, cabinet door and drawer. Yeah. So I walk into the shop this morning. I go, why does it smell like farm? Yeah, it smell. It's totally farm. Yeah. It smells like it smells old like poop. Hay and poopy. Yeah. It and smells urine. like yeah. It smells I like think a farm. Timbermate generally has always like Timbermate wood filler smells like band aids to me when it's brand new. Mm-hmm. Like whatever that odor is, it just smells like band aids. But I think when it sits around for a few years, it takes on a wet dog, wet animal barn smell. Yeah, it's... So because I've been doing a lot of pore filling, the shop just stinks. It smells like a a barn in here. I spent a lot of summers at my grandpa's house, and he had lots of horses and hay. And Mm -hmm. it just, when I walked in, I'm like, it smells like my grandpa's. (laughs) Why is it sticking here? (laughs) All right. I'm uh, just going to pick one here. Pick one. Um, Cole? Did you do Cole's? Cole Mason? Yeah, I was going to skip that, but oh. now you drew, you drew attention Sorry. to it, so I had no choice. Why don't you keep your eyes All on right, your own I screen? Can, okay. I put my, That's why we each have a laptop, yeah, Nicole. I'll put my blinders on. Okay, here, uh, here's going to be an inadequate answer to Cole's question. Uh, he says, I'm partway through building new shop cabinets. Any tips, tricks, or general recommendations to share on optimizing storage for small tools, accessories, and other random shop stuff? I know that if I didn't start or don't start with a good system, I'm bound to end up with a dozen drawers resembling a junk drawer in the kitchen. Okay, uh, watch some of my videos on my shop cabinets. There are some ideas in there. Um, 
I believe if you look at my t maybe 2019, yeah, 2019 shop tour, I think I actually showed what is in my drawers. And I, yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> I think you should look at that. There are a few different organizational things that I've done. I've used some of the Rocklers organizing little tidbits, which you don't have to do. You could build your own. Uh, I have a video on how to increase the capacity, uh, the usable capacity of a drawer with a little slider thing that kind of reveals a lower section if you have a nice deep drawer. Uh, you know, and I've built dividers for things like dominoes, uh, organization in my tray drawers over here for things like sandpaper. And I'm pretty sure I showed that in my 2019 shop tour, uh, shop tour so check that out. Um, but I'm, I'm probably due for another shop tour pretty soon, so we'll, we'll show more of that stuff. But I think it's a smart idea, though. Think about organization on these things because you're right. There's nothing worse than you start to just, stuff just goes in each drawer, and next thing you know, you can't find anything. Even when you have stuff in specific drawers, mm -hmm. it's hard to find <laughs> where they are. So you got to stack the cards in your favor. I have uh, Mike Zellman did a super chat last oh. week. That it, was, it was after we went offline okay. but i just wanted to say thank you to mike selman he said for your mom to buy the kids ice cream i took ava to get andy's custard yesterday and she was so excited i'm so jealous i told her I'm like don't tell dad <laughs> don't tell daddy <laughs> uh, i miss keith keegan's at the top of the show is there a five cut method to check the accuracy of a table saw fence or a meyer saw gauge similar to the five cut method used to check for square on the cross cut sled well yeah don't we have a video yeah, but it, it was for the crosscut stuff. Oh, gotcha. So anytime you are making a cut, it doesn't matter whether you're on a table saw fence or the fence of a crosscut miter saw or a miter gauge, it's all going to work the same way, right? So yes. So follow the instructions for the five cut method, but do it on your table saw fence. <laughs> I think maybe the math is a little bit different because... Now you're looking at it uh, over the course of uh, five cuts. You're looking at, yeah, same thing, man. It's the same exact thing. I don't know. I'm giving it way too much thought. Um, just follow the same procedure using the table saw fence instead. <laughs> uh, Kevin Windsor just said, wood filler does smell like cows. Epoxy hardener smells like lobster bait. I've never, uh, I've never baited for lobsters. Yeah. Hmm. I'd like to, though. Yeah. I would love to catch me some fresh lobster. <laughs> I would eat that. Nom, 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 nom. I'd eat those little those little mud bugs. And then Chet Klaus said, "I often it's crawfish, but oh, is it? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're gonna do that today. We're gonna boil some. We're gonna go catch some crawfish. No, we're gonna boil some in Denver in a, in a frozen bag. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can we put them in a trap first? Yeah, <laughs> make you feel better. Yeah. Chet Klaus says, "I often find that people under, uh, understand that Chet." A few people understand that Chet is short for Chester. Oh, everyone knows that Chet. Chet. Isn't that from Weird Science? His name's Chet. No oh, shit, Chet. No oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, his... his it's, uh, the older brother yeah, is Chet, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. How right. would you like a greasy <laughs> pork, yeah, pork sandwich, sandwich served in a dirty, dirty ashtray? That's disgusting. <laughs> So stupid. All right, uh, who's next? Michael Sean Cedar. He told me that's how you pronounce his last name. About to start the green and green Fremont nightstands and wanted to know if you have ever used oil-based stain instead of water-based and what do you think of uh, hard wax instead of lacquer? I'm a big fan of Odie's oil, Odie's wax finish. Uh, thanks for all the great content you produce. Okay, so I don't 
I mean, I have used oil-based stains in the past. I actually think on some, you know, certain woods, I think oil-based stain is great because you get a lot of working time with it. You can move it around. Uh, you don't have it drying as fast as a water-based stain. I think oil-based stains tend to be just a little bit easier to work with. Well, maybe a lot of it easier to work with depending on what you're comparing it to. So yes, I have used oil-based. Um, the problem that I have with, I don't know how some of these hard wax oils are going to respond to a surface that's been treated with an oil-based stain. Most oil-based stains are boiled linseed oil-based. So you put that on the surface, you wipe off the excess, you now have sort of a somewhat starting to be sealed surface and your hard wax oil finishes are gonna go on top of that. And usually those finishes get buffed in aggressively. I know specifically Rubio wants bare wood in order for it to work properly. So how does that respond on top of an oil-based stain? I don't know. What I would probably do is go with a company that actually has colors. So Rubio has a nice selection of colors. If you want a certain color, just get Rubio in that color, and then in one or two steps, you've got what you need. I get a little bit nervous about putting a color layer down, and then all you have protecting that color layer is a hard wax oil finish. These are not super incredibly protective finishes in the sense of like compared to a lacquer or a poly that's putting a nice clear coat on top of it and separating the actual color layer from the contact that happens on the surface. Hard wax oils are much thinner and don't have as much of that layered protection. So when I need color and I want to stick in the hard wax oil family, I use a product that actually has color. Osmo has some colors, Rubio has some colors, and I think you'll be much happier with the end result if you go that route. Uh, they're having a <clears throat> conversation debate about the uh, five cut method. About Chet? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Chester. Uh, Kenneth said what, it would only register at the fence adjacent to the blade, wouldn't it, though? Um, and then... Uh, no, it's the same thing. Jeremy says exactly you, five, five cut would not work on a rip fence. I feel like it would. Look, I'm unprepared to answer this because I'm answering it live on a show and I don't have time to put my brain power into it, but there has to be a way to do it. The first cut that you do, it's going to be parallel but you're now off square. So then if you take that, nope, I think they're right. I see that I needed to think about it. The problem is you, the, the, the whole thing relies on being able to make an adjacent cut, Okay. right? So when you're cutting, you're not cutting the adjacent edge, you're cutting a parallel edge. So the idea with the five cut method is you make the cut, then you turn it 90 degrees. Mm. You're supposed to take that cut edge and put that back onto the reference surface. And you can't do that, you have to turn it twice. So maybe that's part of it, and let's. I, I, I'm I'm going to dig my hole deeper, but I, I am going to now change my answer and okay. say that the the standard five cut method will not work. Okay. So what? Are we, what are you there gonna... there might be some variation of it. I, I I would say, here's what I actually say. What I should have said before: don't do the five cut method to adjust your fence. <laughs> it doesn't. You don't need to do that. Just adjust it by you know other methods. You you have a little um, dial indicator. Put that in your miter slot. Is that the Wixie thing that you can use? No, that's no. for a blade angle. Oh, okay. um, you know, our, our buddy Andy has a, one with mag switch that you could put in there. Woodpeckers has one, or you could just make your own with a little dial indicator. A lot of us have those in the shop anyway, just for setups. Um, you just run that through your, your miter gauge front to back, and you can tell if your fence is in alignment with the miter slot, assuming your blade is lined up with your miter slot as well. You could check that too. Uh, I would not waste time doing a five cut method style um, calibration on a table saw fence. There you go. Okay. All right. <clears throat> that was great. I love that. 
Okay, Kevin Windsor. Hi, Mark and Nicole. Design philosophy question. Do you ever design on the fly, no plans, or drawing to start, or drawings to start? Um, we have a video where you did that. My gosh, I feel like I've been saying the phrase design on the fly yeah. since 2006. Mm-hmm. You did that uh, uh, weird wonky table that your mom has. Right. Yes, the sculpted table. The sculpted table. Yeah, way back, that was maybe 2000, <clears throat> excuse me, 2007, 2008. Uh, yeah, I do it all the time. Even now, you know, when I'm doing something that's a guilt project, I don't really have it all worked out before no. I start. You have I'll, a general idea. I mean, I get a general idea. Uh, if I think when I'm building for myself, it's almost, you know, I would say 75% designing on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm doing things that I know I'm going to have to produce plans for, which is now almost everything, um, I definitely put a little bit more thought into it. But a lot of times my brain just doesn't see that far down the path. So I do everything I know that's immediate that will affect decisions down the road and get those done. And then I make those other decisions Well, later. and I, I think, too, you have some, you've learned that designing doesn't have to be done in a vacuum. You have a lot of great woodworker friends who, mm-hmm. like Brian, who can help you kind of push through an idea. Yeah, or you see, you see any problems with this mm-hmm. design, help me out. Yeah. Okay, Alex Copley? Copley? Did, uh, he, I Cop- feel like... Yeah, Copley. Copley, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Sometimes it sticks in my brain when they've given us a correction. <laughs> uh, wondering if you know of any resources, like books or videos, uh, that go into a deep dive in the furniture design, or if such a thing exists. I'd love to eventually start designing my own pieces, but sometimes it feels overwhelming. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Types of joinery, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm going to say, uh, what's his name? Oh, boy. By Hand and I was a book, I think. Was the one, Was that the one that was Jim Tolpin and uh, George? George. Costanza? No. Costanza. <laughs> George, George something. You guys know what I'm talking about. Chat room, help me out. By Hand and I. I have your. Uh, George. I have a view of your. Walker. George Walker. Is it on your bookshelf? Uh, it might be. I have found personally, it, it, you know, a lot of times you get into design theory, it's really deep, and they start talking about things like numbers and ratios. By Hand and Eyes by Jim Toplin. Is it Jim Tolpin? Yeah, George Walker oh, and, and Jim Tolpin. It's both of them. So I have always found those things to be heavy reads, right? George Walker was the first person who has a good, you know, academic background in design who could teach it in a way that made sense to me with usable information. You know, so instead of doing things like the golden ratio, um, he's going to talk more, which is, if you look at the numbers, it's kind of confusing and you need a calculator. Uh, He starts talking about things like whole number ratios. So that if you're just trying, you know, if you have to make these choices, let's say you're just designing uh, drawers, drawer faces in a chest of drawers, you know, and you have a certain number of drawers, you have a certain total height, so what should the the drawers be? You know, you can start to play with these numbers, and he teaches it in a way that makes you understand things don't have to be in this golden ratio. They could simply be two to one, you know, or two, four. So if like, I don't know, if if you're thingy here... (laughs) If your rail or a face frame component is like an inch and a half, but you need something wider for another component that that is somewhere near it, consider three, right? It's an exact double of that inch and a half. So you start looking at things in a much simpler mathematical way, and there is then becomes sort of a rhyme and reason to why you're picking these numbers as opposed to picking them out of thin air and hoping it looks okay. So anyway, George Walker, all of his stuff, uh, I don't even know if he still actively blogs, but he used to. 
Um, I have always found his stuff to be the most digestible and usable mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's that. And chat room, if you have any other recommendations, uh, shoot them into the chat. Okay, Nick Silva says, can you give me a sense of how much paint you tend to lay down with the HVLP to get good coverage? I have a good uh, project coming up similar to the cabinet doors you're painting, and I'm trying to figure out how much paint I might need. Oh. Do you recall how much you used in the hall tree? Happy Friday. I don't recall how much I used in the hall tree. I can tell you right now that we are doing, if you've seen on my social media, I have posted pictures of mom's cabinets. Uh, I've got 13 doors on the top. Did you see how much this book is going for? I didn't realize that they were like $126 for hand and eye. Yeah, maybe go check. Um, like even used, it's $200. What? Maybe it just went out of print. Wow. I would not pay that much for it though. That's Go to the Schwarz's website. Oh. Lost, uh, Lost Art. Lost Art Press. See okay. if they have it there. And it just might be out of print and those people are just gouging. Oh, that's a shame. Books. That's what happens when you put a fancy cover on a book. <laughs> By hand. All their, their books have uh, fancy covers on them. Yes, you can get it for $21 at Lost Art Press. Click on it. Make sure it's still available, though. Yeah, it says add to cart. Hardbound book. It says $43 right there. Oh, well, you can get a digital, digital download. download. Ooh, Go ahead, that's hit nice. that. See what the price changed. $21. $21 for the digital download. Do not buy that on Amazon. Yeah, sorry. Please. I didn't... I glazed over the price and just saw <clears throat> so, so cabinet uppers i'm using linen color for those so basically we're painting all the face frames we're doing all the doors everything on the uppers and i've maybe used a half gallon at the most right now um, i'm also diluting it a little bit so that it sprays better and i have a full gallon of the darker color for all of the lowers that includes an island and a small I don't even know what you call it, but it's by the entry door. It's just a little entry table thing. Uh, there's a cabinet there as well. And I only have one gallon. And I'm, I'm pretty sure with the coverage I've been seeing that that's going to be enough. So I should be okay. So I don't know if that helps you, but that's the amount that I'm using. Uh, I'll, I'll just note, somebody said that Jim Toplin's website has the book too. Uh, as an author who sells books... It's always best if you buy the book yeah. from the author. If you could buy from, if they offer them, yeah. buy it from the author. There's almost always financially a slightly better benefit for to them. them, and you might get it signed. Yeah, you might. You will from us if yep. you buy our books. If you buy it. We sign them all. Yep. Okay, Luke Kearns. First of all, happy Friday. Well, happy Friday to you, Luke. May the force be with you. I hope all is well in the Spags home. Secondly, thank you for the project. Um, I'm looking forward to it. My question is wood-related-ish. How beneficial is it to join a local guild? Could you help me find one if one exists in my area? No, I where, can't. Where is his, where, you should be talking to me. I have researched online, but to no <laughs> avail. Thank you, and I hope the move is going well. So where's Luke? I don't know. He didn't say. Generally speaking, if you can't find it searching, yeah. you may not have one. And not every city, not every town has one. Um, Where's your nearest Rockler or Woodcraft? Mm -hmm. Those are probably going to be... Call the store. Yeah. Just call one of the, the local Rockler or Woodcraft stores. Uh, I mean, if you don't have a local Rockler or Woodcraft, there's probably also a good chance that you don't have a local guild, too. Um, but there these these like an Ace Hardware that might have... Yeah, maybe. They, these sites, unfortunately, a lot of them are pretty old, but they are usually there in some way. So if you can't find... You know, your city woodworking association, 
You could search for that. Woodworkers Guild. I, a guild may not be the keyword you want to use. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I find that it's a woodworkers association. Mm-hmm. Search for that. If you can't find it and then you also call around to local stores, no one knows anything about it, well, I don't know how motivated you are, but it might be time to start a local woodworkers association. Yeah. <laughs> like, go out there, do it yourself, because I guarantee you're not the only one in the area. Even if it's just a small, tight-knit group of people, you could start with meetups, have a breakfast somewhere, you know, meet up on a Sunday morning. Well, I don't know if now is the right time to do that. But have a, have a Sunday morning pancake Zoom meeting, yep, right? Yep. Uh, you could do things like that that will help, you know, the community at large. So you might not be the only person looking. I mean, the other place you could probably start, if, you're, if you don't have a Rockler or Woodcraft, do you have a local college or high school that has a woodworking program? Uh, the shop teacher might be able to assist you in some way. Yep. They might want to start something. Sure. With you. And are they worthwhile? It depends. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are a little bit boring, you know, but everybody means well. And it's... It's, it's a way to it's form what, a community. It's something they can do on a Tuesday night, right? Yeah. But there are other uh, associations that are really active and you get a lot of good information. You meet great local contacts, uh, people who you might be able to collaborate with. Maybe you need a big table sanded down and you don't have a big uh, wide belt sander, but uh, so-and-so does. So you can go over to his or her shop and and get it done there. Um, So I do think there's a lot of benefit to it. I do think it's also harder and harder for these things to, you know, to continue to be active and successful. Um, There is a little bit of a change in in the way things are happening these days Mm -hmm. where a lot of the older woodworkers associations are not doing as well, but maker groups are doing well. That's true, yeah. And a lot of times it's just terminology and who your audience is. And if you broaden that scope a little bit, you tend to get a younger crowd mm-hmm. in there as well. So it's a lot to think about, but I do think it's worthwhile. I mean, meeting people locally that do what you do, it's hard to say that that is ever not worthwhile, right? Making a maker <clears throat> just said, also look for maker spaces. They often have woodworking tools and, interest, and, and thus interested people looking for an open house or tour night. There you go. Uh, Adam... Wants to know, per your new Instagram account, do you have any good resources resources for learning barbecue and grilling courses or YouTube educators? He, you've been doing the master class with uh, what's yeah, his face? Yeah, the master class with uh, Aaron Franklin is pretty good. If you're looking for, like he does brisket, ribs, and I think a pork butt on there. But just in general, it's fun to watch. It's so well filmed. Um, I enjoy that. I follow Stephen Reichlin. I think he's great. Uh, he's got a lot of good books. He's got some PBS shows, um, Project Fire, Project Smoke, mm-hmm. uh, Project Project. I don't know. It's all They're all named Project. They're all Project. <laughs> Barbecue University is good. Uh, there's a website I've been reading a lot about that really appeals to the scientist in me. And um, what just happened? I just heard a noise. I heard it too. Hopefully Did, everything's okay. I think your recording stopped. No, it's fine. Yeah. Um, is AmazingRibs.com. They're the kind of site that's like the myth busters of barbecue. So they'll do a lot of things where there's just it, things that people do. Um, routine. Oh, you know what it was? I hit the power uh. on the strip. Um, they'll do a lot of things that like it's just conventional wisdom. You always do this, right? You always let your meat come to room temperature before you cook it. Well, they've got an article telling you why you shouldn't bother doing that. You know, stuff like that. So <clears throat> amazingribs.com is good. Um you know, there's a guy who I enjoy watching on YouTube. He doesn't have a lot of followers, but he's from TV. Uh, he does, he's done a lot of those like home shopping network things um, for the Blackstone Griddle. Mm-hmm. And he's done other 
as seen on TV type presentation. So he's got that kind of natural energy. Um, it's marks on the grill. And it's not just because we spell our name the same way. It's uh, but, uh, he, he actually does a really cool show. The guy's got like... What's his name? Mark. Oh, okay. Like Mark Mark Gill or something like that. But it's Marks on the Grill. Apostrophe S, Marks on oh, the yeah. Grill. Oh, yeah. It's his TV actor? Yeah. So he does a show in his backyard. He's in Florida. He's got like every type of cooker known to man. And he cooks some really good stuff, but he's just fun to watch. Um, it just seems like That's, a nice guy. I don't think that's him. It is him. <laughs> is that him? Yes. <laughs> he's on Twitter. As seen on TV. He only has so, 673 followers. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's he's somebody who came from the, the like the real TV yeah. <laughs> production world <laughs> and is trying to do something on YouTube with his cooking. Um, and I, I just uh, I just let his channel roll a lot yeah. of the time, and it's, it's, uh, it's really entertaining. Wonder Trim with Mark Gill. <laughs> Wonder Trim? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's one of those him. guys, you know, oh, that's, that sells the products. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Anyway. Mark's on the Grill is, is his YouTube channel. I'll, I'll put a link in the... He only has 10,000 subscribers. Okay, and the other guy I'm going to recommend... He fits my, my, uh, my recommendation profile. Okay, I'm going to recommend someone else, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only follow him on, on Instagram, but he... I love this guy. Yeah, Dark Side of the Grill. Yes. You've shown me a few of his. He's the funniest freaking dude I've ever seen. <laughs> the steak? <laughs> yeah, he like gets, he wakes up early in the morning and he does, this is all on Instagram, wakes up early in the morning and I love it because he's in his bathrobe yeah. and he goes out there and he's like, I had a dream about steak, so I had to get up before anybody else. It's like 4 a.m. and he's firing up his big green egg to cook a steak that he could eat before anybody his else name, gets up. His name's Mel. Yeah, Mel. Mel. He's so funny. Again, another person who probably deserves a lot more followers than yeah. he has. Um, he's awesome. Love that guy. All right. Dark side, <clears throat> right. Dark Enough barbecue side talk. of the grill. <laughs> yeah, so that that's what they call him, right? A pitch man? Yeah. Mark, Mark Gill? Pitch man. He could sell you anything sort of they guy? They did a whole series. Uh, remember that one guy? Yes. The guy that uh, passed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Had a little drug okay. problem or something, and right? Then I don't. I don't know the details. Probably shouldn't talk about it so we don't know the details. I remember that. Okay, what else we got? Uh, I got questions. I got questions coming out the wazoo. Okay. Uh, Steve and Han at the beginning of the show, is there a wood you wouldn't use for tenons on loose tenons? Pine. Pine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't want to use a wood that's too... Out in left field, you know, compared to what you're using in the project. The best wood to use is the same species. Uh, but if you happen to have a bunch of, you made a walnut bed, let's say, and you have a bunch of um, maple scraps, and you want to use the maple for the tenons, that's fine. I mean, think about the domino. The domino only comes in two different types, and it's really just for indoor-outdoor. Um, their regular t- uh, tenons are all beech Right, so it's a pretty generic species, nice, hard. I think what you're looking for is something that's a durable, hard species. But anything that you know falls into that you know not real soft category is going to work just fine. If you have oak, uh, if you have maple, if you have I'm trying to think anything else, just make sure it's not too soft. That's really about it. All right, what else? A uh, question from Scott Harmon. I'm building an end grain chessboard. Just because, should I stick to a food safe finish or can I try other things like water locks? Are you going to eat food off your chessboard? Why are you worried about food safeness on a chessboard? Yeah, I'm not sure. Or maybe, it, yeah. Are you licking your chessboard? <laughs> Boop. <laughs> 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 
That's how you make sure no one wants to play with you. You always win <laughs> when you lick when you lick the pieces. <laughs> I would use certainly go for water locks. I mean, if you want a, a surface that's going to resist the scuffs and things that might occur on a chessboard. Did you make an end green chessboard that one time that busted? Mm-hmm. I use that as an example of just, why you don't want to frame yeah, something like that. Be careful on framing that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not clear on the reason for a food safe finish on a chessboard. And maybe you want to play a game of chess and have some lunch at the same time. <laughs> yeah, put my sandwich on the chessboard. <laughs> don't mind my sandwich. Uh, Renstar says I'm making a cedar chest with frame and panel sides joined to the legs with mortars and tenons. For movement, is it safer to or easier to assemble the panels before or after the, the styles? Attaching the styles to the legs. Does that make sense? Did I butcher on. that question? It's right there. Boop. I would probably be inclined to pre-assemble my frame and panels for the sides and then get them set up to join to the legs. You could do it while the styles are still apart from the rest of the frame, but I find that after, after you glue everything together, there could be little tiny changes. Something might move. You might shift up or down a little bit. So I find that if you reduce variables by making the side panel its own you know, permanent sub-assembly, then once the side panel is totally cleaned and flushed up, then you could take that over to your leg part and adjust its height vertically and join it to the leg. I would absolutely glue that up first and then work out the joinery afterwards. And uh, the chat room gives a little hint. They think that he meant cheese board, not chess board. <laughs> that does change things, you guys. That does change things. So in that case, if you're making a cheese board. Uh, I think he meant cheese board. I would stick to a food safe finish. I mean, a cheese board is generally not a really you know, wet application. It, you know, cheese is moist, but it's not, it's not wet. Ugh, um, but I think you're still cutting into the surface. So if you have a really, you know, thick film finish, like a water locks, uh, you're going to see those knife marks and you're going to see the scuffs and the board won't look that great for a long time. I, th- I do think you're still better off, even with a cheese board, uh, going with something that's more of a matte finish, a natural look, something that's completely food safe, uh, but also isn't going to show all of those knife cuts and things. Um, I, I, I would go the more natural route. The natural. Uh, David D. is building a bookcase with a vertical tongue and groove style back. Can I just run a quarter inch plywood sheet over the table saw to partially cut through to create that look? Or should I use solid boards? That's up to you. Yes, you can create a sort of um, shiplap look by doing something like that. People do it all the time, right? I mean, I've got cabinetry in my house where it's not solid wood, but they use some kind of a panel that has a grooved design in it that just gives it the illusion of something like that. I mean, it's no illusion to most people. It looks like a piece of plywood with grooves cut in it. So yeah, you can do that, especially if you're just talking the back um, and you want the appearance of shiplap. You can get something close to that, that from a distance, maybe from the highway at 50 miles an hour, you might notice. It's you like might go. I, it's, what, it's like when I wear my penis mask. No yeah, one, no, no one, one sees, it no one sees it until you get up too close. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if that's what you want to do and you're okay with that, yes, you can certainly do that. Uh, Mike McMahone. Mike McMahone. <laughs> just built Cremona's tea boxes, and I got a lot of tear out and poor edges on my miters. I use a 40-tooth blade on my table saw for everything. Do I just need a better blade, or could this be some sort of technique issue? Well, if you don't have the means to kind of pre-score everything, 
Um, miters might be a little bit tricky because you got to account for that 45 degree angle and you, you know, it's not as easy as just taking, you know, one of these guys and marking both faces because it's going to be different on each face. Uh, you know, there are techniques you can employ, you know, things with sometimes with uh, masking tape or blue tape that could help with tear out. Uh, but I would probably say the blade is going to be your biggest culprit here. I would probably recommend you go with like a plywood blade or something that's 60 to 80 teeth. Uh, if you're really getting some bad results. Now you have to balance that with the possibility of burning, right? With that many teeth as you go slow and you're creating that miter cut uh, or the bevel cut on the table saw, as you're creating those miters, you may wind up getting some burning and that's not good either. So I would probably first try a blade with more teeth, one that you could then reuse for plywood cuts so you're not just buying it for this project and see if that gives you a little better result. Um, you also might try sneaking up on the cut. Right, so start your first cut maybe a sixteenth of an inch away. Hopefully, the tear out is not super severe. Yeah, um, you don't hide behind like a rock and sneak. No, cut. That's terrible. Not, Every time you say sneak, sneak cut up on it. Sneak, Here we go. Sneak, sneak. <laughs> so yeah, cut a little bit wide of your line and then sneak up on it. Can't say that now. No, I know. Sorry. Uh, sneak up on it and uh, inch back to it. A lot of times you could reduce your tear out by reducing how much of a bite you're taking. Mm. Okay. Jason Stoffel says, good morning, Mark and Nicole. What's your policy for lending out tools? Are you doing Patreon questions? Yep, okay, I am. so I can stop reading? Yep. Great. Do you lend them out to any friend or neighbor that asks them? Hell no. Until they return them seven months later, hopefully in one piece? I don't often have to lend out tools. Mm -hmm. I don't get asked. He's very, very often. unapproachable. I just look like someone who wouldn't want to give you tools. <laughs> but you've, you've. Well, here's the thing when people know you make a living with your tools, I think they're a lot less likely yeah. to ask yeah. because they know you need it. You know, So I've uh, let Jim borrow mm -hmm. tools, Our but every time he's like, Are you sure? And it'll call me the, you know, 10 minutes later, Do you need it back? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's like, No, it's, it's fine. Trust me, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think people are very courteous when they borrow tools from me because they know that I need these tools to do my job. Uh, I also don't lend out things that I know I'm going to need in the next week, right? Yeah. Um, but it's like I said, if, I mean, if someone did borrow it and held on for it, held on to it too long, I don't see that as being a problem because I would go there and I would take it back. Give it back. It, it, like it's not hard to ask for your tools yeah. back. I yeah. mean, maybe you have an awkward social situation where you don't feel comfortable asking for them back. Make a project. Say, hey, I need that, that back. I'm Say, hey, yeah, I'm going to need this thing. Well, you know what? Hey, I borrowed, um, I lent out the Inkra iBox jig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? A sieve. So um, lent that out, and it was gone for about a year. Yeah. But only because I didn't need it. Yeah. And, but at a certain point, I was like, hey, man, I hope you finished your project with that. Can I, can I get that back? <laughs> and I was able to get it back. Yeah. But, yeah, so generally speaking, though, I don't get asked very often. I think just because people respect the fact that this is how I make a living. And if I don't have a tool that I need, I can't do what I need to do. This is true. Uh, Lucas, this is our final Patreon question. Yes. Uh, and then we'll switch over to the after show. Okay. Uh, while reading your book, Hybrid Woodworking, I'm really focusing on the sharpening portion. Mm -hmm. I currently use a trend double-sided diamond plate, 300 and 1,000, and the leather strop. I like okay. saying strop. Strop. Uh, in your book, you describe going as high as 800 with water stones. As far as I can tell, diamond plate stops at around 1,200. What would you recommend? I am not searching. Am I not searching hard enough? Is a thousand on a diamond fair enough? A thousand is fine. <laughs> I think if you go to a thousand and you hit it with a strop, you are going to have some really nice sharp chisels. I wouldn't give it a second thought. Eight thousand, 
if you want to go to 8,000, you can go to 8,000. 8, I do because I have it. Uh, you know, do you, do you need to go that high? I don't think so. I think you're perfectly fine. Um, the polishing you do on the strop will be that last little finishing touch on the surface. After the 1,000 or 1,200, I think you're going to be fine. Um, if you get to a point where you notice something that tells you or shows you you want, uh, like wait for there to be a reason. Wait for the work or the chisel itself to tell you it's necessary before you go seeking out and spending more money on something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay? All right. Uh, I got a question here from uh, Tommaso. Mark's dear friend Tommaso wants to know. <laughs> oh, I have dear friends now? <laughs> Mark's dear friend Tommaso oh, crap. wants to know There's if, different he, levels. if he still uses a drill press table. Homemade or bought? I just use the yeah. drill press table that it came with it. Yeah. I don't really have the space to do a table because a lot of times you could do a cool little table thing. Sometimes you could do a table with storage underneath it with a little drawer. Um, but I don't have the space for that. I do think a drill press table with some good clamping solutions and a good you know functional fence, I think it's a great idea. I've just never had a chance to do it or the space to accommodate it. I mean, in Arizona, I could have gotten away with it, um, but not here. I got, I got a situation where my drill press is between two cabinets and I only have maybe eight inches of travel before the table hits the cabinets and I got to pull the thing out. So it's just not feasible for me. <laughs> Dear friend, John. <laughs> I like these, these uh, levels of friendship we yeah, have Yeah, I know, right? It's pretty great. Uh, I've got a question. I'm, I'm going to go in just a little bit longer than normal because okay. we're not going to do a show next week. Uh, oh, is that why? Yep. Okay. Uh, Oppo. Apo Apina? Okay. Would you consider making a video about your average work day slash week with perhaps some behind the scenes stuff? That would be boring. Be it's not as boring. exciting as you think, man. Oh, he's sitting there, scratching his butt, farting. <laughs> We're no reality show over here. No. <clears throat> I mean, I guess I could. We could do that on Patreon. Or I something. could, but I don't know how fun that would be for people. No. I mean, maybe. Maybe. It would probably be the most thumbed-down video I ever make. Well, no, if we just did it on Patreon, you just make it like a little yeah. Patreon. There's part. no way I would do something like that just for Patreon. Uh, okay. Like the amount of work it takes to make a video, <laughs> yeah. just to put well, it no, in, I'm just thinking in, in the Patreon of like, walled garden. I could just come in and with my phone and be like, hey, here's Look, Mark. He Mark's just... taking a pee. <laughs> Mark's drinking water. <laughs> The funny thing is, if you watch my Instagram stories, there are yeah. days where you get a lot of insight into how my day goes. If I'm like, sometimes I don't feel like doing it, so it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But that actually is one of the close, like one of the closest ways to see how a typical work day goes. Stumptown says a shop time lapse stuff, maybe. Like just put the camera up and film yeah. it. You're gonna see Mark going in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, with Jason not yeah. here, I'm not spending as much time in the shop. Yeah, yeah. It's all problematic, people. There's Everything has so many facets to it. That's true. <laughs> Nothing's easy. Paul Townsky <laughs> says, Nicole, how far into Mark's woodworking adventures did you start letting him build furniture for the home? You're pulling my oh, microphone. sorry. Sorry. My wife won't let me build anything for our house. I, I, don't, I don't know. I uh, it was immediate. Yeah. Like, the only here, reason I here's started... Here's this tool. Build something for me. Yeah, the only reason I started building things was for the house. Yeah. And I think I you know, have done, I don't think I've ever had to, see, Nicole's not like the, I guess let's say stereotypical, I was going to say typical, but I can't say it's typical, stereotypical wife in that sense. Um, She is not picky about our furniture, she's not picky about, you know, does this wood grain match that one, are these furniture styles, you know, whatever, 
whatever I want to do in the house, she would let、yeah. me do to an extent. I nudge him a certain way. Like he'll say, "Would you like this wood or that wood?" And I'm like, "I like the darker wood." Or you know, right? But I have to come to you. It's not like she is exerting control over it. I、yeah. say, "Okay, I'm at a decision point. Help me decide so that I know that you're going to be happier with this in the end."、Yeah. Um, so、and、she、I、has never to, really been too picky. Well, and I tend to lean more of a masculine furniture style or decor. Like, Manly furniture. Well, you know, I don't like the florals. I don't、yeah. like the pinks and the blues and all、mm-hmm. that. Like, reminds me of my grandma. Yeah.、Um, but it, it, but it is interesting to think about. I, I mean, I've it's it's almost a question. It's hard for me to answer because <laughs> Cle- I've never clearly she isn't picky. Tommaso says. That's <laughs> true. You bring up a very good point,、um, but it is it is interesting to think of that because a lot of times you might have a significant other who is very specific, yeah, and yeah. you have to prove yourself that you're going to make something better than what they could go out and buy in a store, right? Yeah, there's been times though I've gotten frustrated with you that I'm like, fine, I'll just go buy it. Right, but it's been time. It's, yeah, you, you knew that if I built、time. it, you'd be happy with it. I just need to take the time to do it, so you would go out <laughs> and buy it instead. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the thing is, I mean, what have you built so far that has impressed her? She might be very picky, and、yeah. it might be hard、Build、to impress her. Build for somebody her. else. She'll get jealous. Yeah. <laughs> But honestly, if you build something that's of a quality level that she approves of, that's what's going to open the door. So I, I can't say what you need to do to make that happen. I don't know how specific or picky or let's let's not say picky. That's、mm-hmm. negative. How、mm-hmm. selective、mm-hmm. she is. Mm-hmm.、Um, mm-hmm. But if you can get if you can get a win. Then I think that starts to open the door for okay. Now she's going to trust that anything you make will be at least as good, if not better, and also customized to your space. So if she wants something with five drawers instead of four, you can make it with five drawers instead of four.、Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. You just got to get them to understand the benefit to having it customized to their liking, as opposed to let me let me pick the best of what's available in the store.、Yeah. And you go, okay, well that's good enough, you know, but not perfect. Well, you can get things perfect when you build them. So. Hopefully, I don't know your woodworking skills, so I can't. I don't know where <laughs> Dan- you're at. Danielle in the chat is right. I'm pretty sure she wants a pie, pie safe. I do. Right. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to put it, but I want it.、Mm, we have no room for a pie safe. <laughs>、uh, your mom might. She will. She does have room for a pie、yeah. safe. Okay,、See? we'll keep it over there. All right. Okay.、Uh, we got another question. Last question.、Uh, Stumptown wants to know: Is the Anarchs design book any good? Never read it. You haven't read it. Okay. So that's another look. Anything Chris Schwartz, generally speaking, is going to be great. Anything at Lost Art Press, just from what I know、yeah. of those people, it's going to be worthwhile. They don't print garbage. High class. And it got fancy covers that、uh, apparently people like to gouge for on Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Oof. Okay. Well, hey, that's good. That's. I mean, we have other questions, but we should wrap it up. It's ten、uh, thirty.、Um, I'm going to pick a winner. From the Patreon questions, yes, and my winner is number fifteen. Number fifteen. Number fifteen, and that is Lucas. Well, good for you, Lucas. Lucas, Lucas. Oh, I'm sweating over here, Nicole. Look at me. Got your meat sweats. Got my meat sweats. <laughs>、uh, <laughs> Lucas, I'm going to message you on Patreon, and you'll be able to pick any project you want in the guild. That sounds good. Hey, Father's Day is coming up. Oh my gosh! So I'm a father. We won't have a show. Uh, but happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day to you, fathers out there. And、uh, yeah, we we actually have Wood Whisper Guild gift certificates. If any any one in your family would like to buy you a gift, 
There's there gift certificates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike was like, hey, don't you have gift certificates? We should mention them. Yeah, we, and that that's what smart. he told me. He goes, I don't want to overstep, but you should probably mention that. We have guild <laughs> gift certificates, folks. We're terrible at marketing. <laughs> we're, you know, here's the thing. We are really good at marketing when we want to. Yeah. <laughs> like, but if we're not paying attention, yeah. which is most of the time, <laughs> we're, we're pretty bad at it. Well, the problem we're is... We're very inconsistent is what it is. And, and we wear multiple hats. So it's not like we have one person focusing on more marketing. I don't wear so. hats anymore, Nicole. I just, I just let it air out. Yeah. Okay. So I'll put a link in the, uh, in the chat and in the show notes if you're curious about the guild and want to pick up a gift certificate for a loved one. It is amount-based, so if you're yeah. buying one for someone, make sure the amount covers the cost Here's of the item. Here's $5 for a for $25 it, project. Yeah, but uh, otherwise it'll just kind of apply a discount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Oh, did I even say what my Instagram barbecue account I was? Did. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I saw you were just T- on the page. I'm like, did I mention the name? T-W-W-B-B-Q. Thanks, Google. All right. You guys have a wonderful weekend. And again, we won't see you next week, but we'll see you the week after that. And of course, anyone who wants to see the behind-the-scenes stuff, follow me on Instagram. You'll see some stories with lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. Dogs. Kids. Me ranting about something. Me talking about how much Facebook sucks. And how I don't think I'm going to participate there anymore <laughs> because it's really <laughs> annoying. Toxic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of, I don't know what it is, whether it's people who just don't know how to word things in a polite way or if they're just people who are you know, naturally rude. I, I can't figure it out, but I'm not enjoying my time there. And I think I will, I'll continue to cross post from Instagram, but I think I'm going to stop participating in answering the questions because it no longer feels worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, If you want to talk to me directly, come find me on Instagram. Instagram. Where people are more polite and nicer. (laughs) All right. Okay. Have a, uh, oh, link for the after show? I put put it in the chat. Okay. We'll see you guys in the after show if you are a Patreon uh, patron. And thank you very much. We'll see you later. Bye.